Good day. Welcome to Partakers Podcasts. Welcome also to our Christmas 2019 series, Jesus Christ, the Promised One of God, where we are hearing together some of the prayers, liturgy, and sermons of the Church through history, looking back to that first Christmas day. Reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 39 to 56. G'day! Today we have a sermon on a most amazing piece of Scripture. A sermon talking about Mary. Reading from Luke chapter 2, verse 39 to 56. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfil his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts, He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, and then returned home. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the freedom that we have in this country to meet together. Help us to not take these times for granted. May you be with us all here today, with me as I speak, and as others as we listen, not only to me, but also what you would have us to think and to do. And all of God's people said, Amen. And there's much to be said about this time of year we call Christmas. Worldwide, there are about 255 babies born every minute. And yet the birth we celebrate at Christmas is like no other birth of any other human. That birth of the man, Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, caused the world to change. The birth of Jesus Christ 
causes more of the world today to pause amidst the busyness of life, take a breath amidst the busyness of daily life, and to celebrate in many different ways and fashions, some of which are probably very curious to us all. And now we come to this magnificent song of Mary. Here is what John Calvin once said about this passage. Now follows a remarkable and interesting song of the Holy Virgin Mary, which plainly shows how eminent were her attainments in the grace of the Spirit. Isn't that a beautiful thing for him to have said of Mary? And here's what my mate, the reformer Martin Luther, said of this passage. In order properly to understand this sacred hymn of praise, we need to bear in mind that the most blessed Virgin Mary is speaking out of her own experience, in which she was enlightened and instructed by the Holy Spirit. And from our reading in Luke, we find that Mary has gone to visit Elizabeth, who is also with child. She stays there three months before returning home. And we see here that as Mary greets her, Elizabeth's unborn child does a leap in the womb, not the nudge with an elbow or a kick of the foot. Not that I've ever experienced anything like that. No, this child who we know as John the Baptist leaps joyously because he recognises who the baby Jesus is. Leaps joyously and Elizabeth feels it and she is filled with the Holy Spirit. And Elizabeth greets Mary with words which are certainly given to her by this Holy Spirit. She says, Blessed are you among all women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Blessings. Happy are you, Mary, because God has blessed you. Praise his name because you are also with child a gift from God. It's safe to say Elizabeth calls Mary blessed. Blessed because Mary is carrying the coming Messiah and blessed is Mary who is doing as God has told her to do. And what's Mary's response? To burst into song. No doubt Mary is also filled with the Spirit as well. Mary considers herself happy. She's happy, she's blessed, and she's a servant. She's humble and worshipful of her God and is bursting with joy as she worships and rejoices in God for what he has done for her and what he will do for her in the future. She may not know specifically what will happen, but as we shall see, she has confidence in that God because he is in control. Let's look briefly at that song. So Mary spontaneously burst into song, a song seemingly of your renewal, revolution, and reformation. Do you see that there? God is on the march, and God is going to do something new. Mary knows that. 
And some scholars believe Mary is looking back on all the stories she's heard about how God has dealt uh, with people in the past. Some others think that she's being purely prophetic and only looking ahead to what God will do. And I personally think that it's both. So verse 46 and 47. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my (coughs) Saviour. Mary wants all of her being to glorify God, her soul and her spirit to worship God for all that he has done for her and all that he will do for her in the future. She knows that Almighty God is in control, he is on her side, and it is only because of him that she can be fulfilment of those words of Isaiah chapter 7. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. God's glory was Mary's chief concern. Is that our concern? We see God's glory as being a visible manifestation of light emanating from him. That's a New Testament view. But Mary knows that in what we call the Old Testament, God's glory is much more than just the external light. God's glory includes the invisible and internal weightiness and reality of who God is. God is who he is because he is the ultimate reality. That's his glory, the internal quality. That is God's invisible, internal glory which manifests itself as a light emanating from his very being. Is that your God? It's a light to the world, which is, of course, who the adult Jesus proclaimed himself to be, didn't he? And Mary reflects the glory back to God because she knows that she is blessed by him for being his servant. And verse 48, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Mary knows that God wants first place in her heart and she humbly accepts his sovereign will over her life. God knows Mary and wants only the best for her and he will take care of all her needs. He's mindful and alert to her concerns and needs. And Mary is confident that God will take care of her because he loves her. Mary loves her God and wants to show that to him. Humility is being without pretension. It's not pretending to be somebody you are not being self-effacing and having a proper proper lowliness of mind. Verses 49 to 50. Mary keeps on singing. Hope she's got a better voice than me. And from now on, All generations will be blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. He is alive from generation to generation. God, the Almighty One, has done great things for me, cries Mary, in giving me this child. As a virgin, there's no other way I could be with child apart from God being involved. 
Praise be to his name, his name which is holy. My God is holy. That is who he is, the almighty God of holiness. And what do we mean by saying God is holy? And what is holiness? We'll get to that shortly. (coughs) Firstly, how is God's holiness revealed? We see through Mary's proclamation and the witness of the Bible that the holiness of God is revealed in his mercy towards people. Those people who fear him. Not fear as in terror, but fear as in respect and esteem. And what's mercy? Mercy is is not getting what we humans deserve. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. The twin wellsprings of God, mercy and grace. Mercy and grace working together in tandem, hand in hand, to reveal God's holiness at work. And what's more, this God who is holy, glorious and merciful is alive. We heard that last week from Roy in Mark. The God of Adam, Abraham, Isaac, Joseph, Moses and David lives. He lives on through all generations and he will live on in all generations afterwards with and through the birth of his son Jesus. Mary knows that throughout his dealings with humanity, God has promised the Messiah, the Saviour. From the time of the first sin committed by Adam, through the creation of Israel, the life of the patriarchs and the kings, and the oracles of the prophets, all these people were looking forward to the coming of a Messiah. The covenants and promises that God made with people all looked ahead to when this Messiah, this Saviour, this King would come and rescue Israel and the world. This King was to be their hope, their Saviour. Mary knew, because of what she had been told by the angel, that this Messiah King was to be her baby. The baby who Joseph and Mary were told to call Jesus, because He is the one who saves. Verse 51. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. God has done great things in the past, declares Mary. Perhaps she was thinking of events in the Old Testament that she had been told or heard of. We know the stories. Look at how God has dealt with Sodom and Gomorrah, Jericho, Babylon, Nineveh, as well as the rebellious and disobedient people within the nation of Israel itself. Nations and people who went above their own station instead of having God as their king, had displaced him and put themselves in God's place. God has taken a people who were not his people and made them into his nation of Israel. Look at how God has dealt with Abraham and Moses. Abraham, described as the friend of God. Enoch, who lived and then is described as being taken by God without suffering death. 
Moses, who knew God face to face, who saw from the crevice of a rock all that a human being can see of God and live. What's the word? Wow! That must have been amazing. See, there's one non-English person here. In the ancient world, it was accepted that the rich would be cared for and the poor would be deprived and should expect to be hungry. But here comes another reversal in this new kingdom to come. The common people of the day were pretty much helpless when it came to justice and basic human rights. They were often hungry, downtrodden and discouraged. They were often left to their own devices to fend for themselves because they couldn't beat the system which was against them. But Mary saw that something new was coming. A revolution where God turned all on its head. The weak dethroning the mighty, the humble scattering the proud, the hungry satiated, and the rich and powerful ending up poor and abandoned. A revolution such as his son Jesus being laid in a manger because no room could be found for Joseph and Mary to put him in. Yet God provided for them to escape the soon coming infanticide by Herod by enabling them to flee to Egypt, perhaps financed through the sale of the gold, frankincense and myrrh given as a gift by the visiting Magi later on in our story. The poor of the society can be helped like that if we are willing to be God's generous hands and minds to them and for them, helping them to promote justice and helping people to exert their rights. And 54, 55, Mary goes on. She's winding up to a crescendo, I can feel it. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and to his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. God has helped his people Israel throughout the ages, proclaimed Mary, a people who weren't a nation and are now a nation, a people belonging to God. God did a new thing, And he's going to be doing a new thing again with the birth of my son, Jesus. Do you see how the virgin being with child is God fulfilling his promises, particularly that one from Isaiah that we looked at earlier? And now let's look at just a couple of specific aspects revealed about God through Mary. Questions that we ask ourselves as we read passages like this. Well, certainly I do. God is almighty. Mary knows that her God is called almighty. And we know it as well through our study of the Bible, in our own lives, I am sure. But how is God almighty? Firstly, God is one of those big Bible words, omnipresent. That is God is wholly present everywhere and he fills the universe in all its parts without division. And God is omnipotent. 
That means God has unlimited power to do all the things that are the object of his power. With God, nothing is impossible. And yet there are things God cannot do. Such as God cannot do anything which is contrary to his own nature. And omnipotence is an essential quality of God. For if God were not all-powerful, then he would not be God. And he would not be worthy of our worship. An example of that is when he stopped the sun during Joshua's time. Another example is that he caused a young Israelite woman pledged to be married to a man called Joseph and caused her to be with child. Her name, Mary. Amazing power. God created the universe with his eternal and infinite power. God made everything out of nothing and he sustains it and gives all of it life. Our God is omnipresent, our God is omnipotent, and our God is omniscient. That is, God has perfect knowledge of all things. God knows all things, past, present, and future, and within that also knows all possible circumstances, contingencies, and outcomes. He knew what I was going to say before I said it unless I change my mind. But then he still knows what I'm going to say. Or is that just me? Therefore, he knows all that we do, which includes the remembrance of all that we've done and could have done, all that we think and the record of those thoughts and what we could have thought, particularly what you're thinking right now, saying, I wish Dave would get on with it. And he also knows what we do say and all that we could say and did not say. God is almighty in presence, power and knowledge and he's mighty to save and to love. God can even cause a virgin woman to be pregnant and give birth to a person. But why would God do that? And I wonder what the biggest fence or wall or barrier is that you've seen. I've been to the Great Wall of China. It's seen from space. It's over 4,000 miles long. It's up to 25 feet high. And it's up to 30 feet thick. It's huge. It was built to keep out invaders, for that's what walls and barriers do. Keep out enemy. Our mate over the pond, Donald Trump, would agree with that, I'm sure. But however big the Great Wall of China is, however big the proposed wall of Trump is, there's one barrier which is even bigger. And the barrier that exists, which is bigger, is the one which separates the Almighty God we've heard about this morning from his creation. And this barrier is God's holiness, for God is a holy God. So what's holiness? Holiness is what separates God from his creation. For God alone is holy and full of glory. Holiness is a moral attribute of God. It's of purity and freedom from the stain of all sin and evil. And holiness is still more than that. It is in fact the sum of all God's attributes and being. God is holiness. And because this is who God is, 
His holiness is a barrier for us as humans. It causes us to be born separated from God because of who he is in all his purity, his glory, his transcendence and all his other characteristics. And how is his holiness seen? One way declared by God is through his mercy. Mercy from God is that God does not give humanity what they deserve. What we deserve. And the mercy of God is the goodness to God for those in distress, whereby he gives life, tenderness and compassion. And now a further question. Why did Mary have to be a virgin? We know that the God-man Jesus, as a human, doesn't have a father. And that Jesus, as the Son of God, he has no mother. And the Holy Spirit, through whom Mary conceived, is not just any spirit, but it's God himself, whose act must be understood spiritually and not just physically. At one level, Jesus had to be born of a virgin in order to be the saviour that the world patently needs. Just a look outside will show you that. And on another level, Jesus' virgin birth confirms that he was the promised saviour. Again, just a cursory look outside will tell you something needs to change, that this world's messed up and in need of saving. And there's another level, however, for us to look at. From the Bible, we see that Jesus' birth was completely because of a work of God within the body of Mary. The immaterial, the spirit, and the physical, Mary's womb. They were both involved. Mary, of course, could not impregnate herself. There were no test tube babies back then. And in that sense, she was simply a vessel. Only God could perform the miracle of what we call the incarnation. God taking on human flesh. As humans, we have a physical body, and we also have a spiritual nature, which is inherently sinful, a sin nature, and we are therefore separated from God. Jesus was fully human, with a physical body like ours, which he received from Mary. At the same time, Jesus was fully God, with an eternally sinless nature. Jesus was not born with the sin nature that we all have, because he was born of a virgin. And it would seem that the sin nature is passed down from generation to generation through the usual means of conception. The virgin birth circumvented the transmission of the sin nature and allowed the eternal God to become a perfect man, Jesus Christ. And as we've seen briefly this morning, God is who he is, filled with and manifesting great glory, and he cannot have anything to do with sin and evil. God cannot sin and cannot have anything to do with sin. The sinfulness of humanity, as we said, is passed down through generations. Hence the reason that Mary was pregnant with Jesus by way of a miraculous work of God. The X and Y chromosomes. The sinfulness of humanity is seen in that every human is born with that sin nature which is contrary to God. Let me illustrate it this way. 
I'm sure most husbands have something like this. Or perhaps, again, that's just me. We have a favourite piece of clothing. Say a coat. Shirt. It's so comfortable and cosy, you wear it every day, all day. And then one day you realise that this coat's dirty and it smells. It's rank. It might even be infested with fleas and mites. See, there's people here who recognise this. I can tell by your faces. It's filthy and it needs washing. It's no longer be fit to warn, yet you still want to wear it because it's so comfy cosy and it keeps you warm amongst the snow. But you can't wear it because the only thing it's fit for is burning and burying. That's the same for those of us who are Christian in regard to our old sinful nature that we've been talking about, that each person is born with. This old self or old sinful nature is in conflict with God because it is self-centred and self-pleasing. But when you become a Christian, you gain a new nature that is both God-pleasing and God-centred. And when Jesus Christ died on the cross some 33 years or so after his birth, it was for our old sinful nature as well as our sins. And the events of Christmas are inextricably linked with the events of Easter. On my way here this morning, I had talked with a friend of mine who's some form of humanist. He says, don't people realise that Christmas and Easter is linked? I say, but come on, I'm going to talk about that right now. Um, she scarpered. So why do we have this new nature? Because once a person becomes a Christian and has this new nature, they are no longer separated from God because of that old nature. That old smelly, rank coat's been burned and gone. We still try to put it on though sometimes, don't we? God's taking care of our past and he no longer holds our sin against us. So we're now able to relate to God because we are like him. Previously, you and I were not, and so you were far away and unable to relate to God. And because of Jesus, the coming Saviour, whose birth we celebrate at Christmas, we sing about it, as Christians, we each have a new spiritual nature to help us with in our struggle against sin, in our tendency to disobey God, who is now our King, who is now our Master, as Mary proclaims him. God has put the Spirit within us, and what's more, we allow him to control us. The stronger our nature becomes, our new nature becomes, our old nature's been gone, it's burned and buried, though sometimes it will refuse to lie down, it's got a life of its own, it's infested with so many things. We are, as God's children in the 21st century, to continue living as if we are always wearing our new nature like a new coat, so that we can live a life which is worthy of God and so that he is glorified. Just as Mary prays and sings here that God be glorified in her life. So what can we take away with us today from this this story from the Bible? We've seen how Mary burst into song. Much is made erroneously of Mary by some people down through history, as well today. 
She isn't, as some purport, to be the Queen of Heaven. She was not eternally a virgin, because we know that the marriage to Joseph went ahead, and they con- was consummated afterwards, and that they had other children together. We know that she was in need of a saviour herself, and I think she knew that when it was announced to her that she was to be with child by a work of God. I don't think she would want the attention to be on her, as some people want to do these days, even in the church. But as evidenced in this song, she would want to deflect automatically all glory and praise to God. Do you not think that? That's what seems to intimate. And how we like that in our dealing with others. Do we deflect all praise to God for the things that he has done for us in the past, is doing things for us now, and will do in the future? We've been given a job to do as Christians as well. We have to tell others about the amazing work of God done in our lives in order to bring people back into relationship with God. That's what we've been trying to do on these Thursdays in the lead up to Christmas. God may have given you a specific job to do. How are you getting on with those things? Are you like Mary, who considered it a blessing and honour to be of service to God and other humans? Or are you like most people, even in the church, just ignoring it, or not being so happy to do what you've been told to do? I'm sure you would love this church to be filled every service, wouldn't you? And if you do, then you will tell other people about the Jesus you serve. We look about the mission and the message recently in Romans 10 together. Jesus coming into this world was so that he would be the saviour of the whole world. His life, death and resurrection would establish salvation for all who would believe and receive it, regardless of their race, colour, creed, culture or social status. Jesus came so that people can turn to be friends with God. And this Jesus is somebody whom I depend upon and personally know to be totally reliable in every way, in every day. When people let me down, turn away from me, discourage me, think wrongly of me, incorrectly assume my motives, this Jesus always embraces me, always picks me up, never turns me away, and he always encourages me. Sometimes he might give me a kick, he needs to get my attention, but then I'm Australian so I'm a bit thick. And all through each day, I know that Jesus has been dependable going ahead of me. In the morning I wake up and say, right, oh Dad, what are we going to do today? And in the evening before I sleep, I say, thank you God for another day. God stepped into human history in the person of Jesus Christ so that victory over evil and death could be achieved. That Jesus is both God and human is what makes Christianity unique. It's why Jesus claims to be the only way to God are true and it's why millions of people today, including here, worship him and acknowledge him as their God. Father, thank you again for this 
your written word, which tells and enlightens us about your living word, your son Jesus. Help each of us today to reflect on this song of your servant Mary, so that we can go out into our homes and the streets and tell others about the wondrous glory of your being and how you want people to come back into relationship with you. Father, I pray that you have been glorified here and that we'll go out and honour you now. Amen. Thanks for joining us here at Partakers Podcasts. You can also buy our books on Amazon or through Pulp theology.com Come back every day to hear something to encourage you in your walk as a Christian wherever you are in the world in the 21st century. See you later!